You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Well, welcome back to The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. I'm Nanette Moody, and I'm here with Dr. Joseph Howell, and we're delighted to be here with you today. I'm very glad to be here with you, Nanette. Yeah. It's a beautiful afternoon. It is. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's not... It's only in October that we get weather like we have today in Alabama. Uh, it, I guess if it was like this year-round, it'd be called California. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty sunshiny, clear, low, humid day, and, and we're mm. enjoying it. So yeah. um, Joe and I have been talking today about um, some questions that we bring to the Enneagram, and, and we were having an interesting discussion um, already um, prior to this podcast that we, we thought we'd continue with you. So um, ho- hope you enjoy our conversation today. I know that people will enjoy it because it's about people-to-people relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the real stuff of life, yeah. which is maybe what the real Enneagram is about. So you have some quandaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your own life about certain people, and you've used the Enneagram to figure certain situations out. And um, maybe we can talk about that, Nanette, Mm -hmm. and maybe just ask each other questions regarding how to get to a place of peace with people, even though they may not be changing. Yeah, it's funny when I when I first came to the wisdom of the Enneagram, uh, it, it was really compelled by by interpersonal conflict, mm-hmm. and of course we we all navigate the world in such a way that we wish other people would change, and what we realize is it's really us who has to do yeah. the work, and I think that's that's what the Enneagram that's one of the first steps of the the of the wisdom of the Enneagram is to realize that it starts with us. It starts with our egos, with who mm-hmm. we are. Um, and and what's going to change is going to be us, not necessarily the person who we may be in conflict with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I brought that quandary um, to the Enneagram mm-hmm. in, in, in my early days, for sure. One thing that has helped me with a lot of people uh, that I have found difficult is to have realized that my resentment and anger and disappointment with most people has to do with the script that I've written for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a way that I want them to treat me. Mm -hmm. There's a way that in my movie they're supposed to act. Mm And I give people a wide berth in my movie, come on. So, so they're going to have to really get out of bounds to make me upset. But nevertheless, people will do that mm-hmm. to all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, think about who wrote my movie. Mm-hmm. Who, who really dictated the script. Mm-hmm. And it is my ego. Yeah. Because the ego has a world that it projects onto the real world of how things really are, Mm -hmm. and it creates scenario or a narrative Mm -hmm. of how life is going to unfold and how people are going to treat us Mm -hmm. and how we treat other people. Problem there, the ego story is not real. It may see some of reality, but it doesn't see all of reality. Mm -hmm. And for many people, 
their ego does not understand other people's egos. Mm -hmm. We are so entrenched in our own worldview yes. and our own egocentric way of looking at life that we don't under understand that everybody we walk around with is doing the same thing. <laughs> no, why don't we realize this? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true that we we really, for some reason, think people think like us. Yeah. And like everyone is going to realize um, that we, in, in fact, have the truth. I was listening to someone <laughs> talk the other day and they said, you know, in a relationship, if you want to have a successful relationship, both parties are going to have to take 100% responsibility. There isn't a 50-50. We have to take 100% responsibility for our own behaviors. And, and, and this person was talking about it in the context of marriage in that, you know, of course, when, when I bring my complaint to Cy, very rarely does a spouse say, you know what, you are absolutely correct about that. You know, our our normal inclination is to victimize. Like, no, I'm you don't do this, and it, it we we move into that that competition of the you versus me, as the us versus them, and that that doesn't normally problem solve anything. It doesn't it doesn't bring resolution to relationship. It just brings more of the same. But when you realize that this is all ultimately driven by ego, then you can start to see a way out of, of conflict. You can start to maybe look at the other person's perspective. And, and you know, some people do think, some people do do some things that are wrong. Yeah. yeah. And our ego says, bad you, bad you. Yeah. But the, the ego could be right mm -hmm. about that. Mm hmm and then what do we do? Just say, oh, we're right and they're wrong. Or I knew my ego was right about that. Yeah. That doesn't solve anything. It, well, I mean, it's not solving any of it in America currently. If we think about, you know, what may be truly morally right in America, what, what is that solving to be right? There's always somebody who's saying they're right, which is different than you're right. And we end um, up be, still being frustrated. Yes, yes. So, the Enneagram helps us deal with the fact that even if our ego is right, mm -hmm. we're still disappointed in the other person. So what do we do? Yeah, what do we do? Well, you know, for me, <clears throat> as, as, as our listeners may recall, I, I'm an ego type nine. So avoiding conflict is, is, is a total easy thing for me to do. It's not the right thing for me to do, but it is certainly easy. But I still find myself in conflict despite my avoidance of it. It's, it's funny how the universe works like that. I have someone in my life who's, who's been in my, in my life since I was a child, and she is a really strong type ego type eight. And when I came to the Enneagram, uh, you know, when, you, when you're kind of filing through that list of one through nine and hearing people, I, it, it's just, it was just so easy to be like, oh, well, that is, that is she. Um, and that makes so much sense. And the first thing it did for me that, that was such a gift for me is it said, well, of course, I'm going to have this conflict with her because I, I realize as an ego type nine, all my life I've been saying, well, I just want to be at peace with you. You know, I just want to be at peace with you. And her question has been, are you for me or are you against me? 
and I can't be for or against her. I, 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 I just wanted to be at peace with her. I just didn't want to be in an argument. I just didn't want to threaten her. I mean, quite honestly, I was afraid of her, um, <laughs> you know, as, as we can be of ego type eights. Um, and so I realized I could never give her the answer that she was looking for on your team or off her team. So that just means we know with ego type eights, if you can't be totally on their team, then you're off. Mm-hmm. And so I just found myself in, in a, real, a, a, a real disconnect with her, which is sad because this is someone I really love and care about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at first it gave, me, it gave me an understanding of her. Like, this is not personal. She's not trying to hurt me. She's just following her own ego narrative. And so I, it allowed me to take my personal feelings out of it, my mm. own hurt, and to understand it. And then I think the, the next thing that it did for me was it made me realize what part of her really is my own shadow self. Because I I have a, a a nine I have an eight wing, and you know so part of my own anger and and part of being triggered by her was was exactly something that is really me. <laughs> like I spend a lifetime keeping this under wraps. Yeah, and she's just <laughs> has it going on all the time. How dare she? <laughs> exactly. I mean, like you're not allowed to say that out loud. I avoid that. Uh, I avoid that conflict. Yeah. Why are you engaging in it? Yeah. You know, we're supposed to tuck that away somewhere yeah. and not talk about it. You're you acting know? out the very thing I hide. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think, you know, I think that's why. And it, this doesn't just apply for an ego type a nine who's in conflict with an ego type eight. This is, this is anyone in any sort of conflict that if, if you recognize where you are at in the Enneagram, what your ego type is and those traps for you. And you have some maybe idea of where of where the person you're in conflict with is coming from. You can at first give them at least some grace to say, oh, maybe they don't look at the world from the same perspective that I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a huge help. And then oftentimes I think the people who might be most challenging to us. And I think I see this consistently in my own family and in relationships. I see the intersection with my own ego, whether it is in disintegration or, you know, I, 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 you, we always see the movement of the Enneagram and how that, that life flow has a natural interaction with us and connects us to other people. Right. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. Okay. Given the fact that we know that we have a soul child Mm -hmm. and that the soul child is a palpable being Mm -hmm. of energy within and that we lived out of that energy for the first few years of our life. Yes, yeah. I know you do your spiritual work. Mm -hmm. And so you go to the three where your soul child is. Yes. How did your shift to the three energy, the healthy three mm-hmm. energy, your soul qualities there, yes, help you with this person? It's been such a beautiful experience because I, I won't say that my relationship is, I will say it's much improved over, over it was when I first came to the Enneagram now almost five years ago. When 
it's it's much better. It's at least we're in the same room when we can share a meal together. I, I think obviously it it compelled me to write action and and unconditional love, which which is it, which is the qualities of mm-hmm. of my of my soul child. And I think that in doing so, I've been able. I've been able to make the best of it. And I think sometimes we have to be okay with that, that sometimes we don't magically fix relationships that have had 40 years worth of trauma that I have inflicted on her and that she's inflicted on me. We we sometimes have to recognize that we just have to take it one day at a time and only the universe knows whether in this life we will bring, you know, maybe the resolution that, you know, happens in movies. It just doesn't happen so easy. So how has your proactive stance Mm -hmm. at so point three, how has that been different than your egoic stance? Yeah, my egoic stance to hide would be to hide from her, just to totally, you know, disconnect. And I've not done that. I, I've, I've made every effort, um, you know, to, I've helped her when she's been ill. I've, I've reached out to her. I've tried to, I've done the best I can to stay engaged, which, you know, uh, which is a big step for a type nine, you know, because it is, it is not, it's not our natural inclination to be engaged with, with someone we feel in conflict with. It's, it's, uh, we retreat and I have not retreated. So when things were not good with you and this person, were you in the sort of, shut down nine mode oh yeah there was a there was no contact and yeah there was a to- total shutdown okay you know so there's the contrast yeah there. yeah so the shift to soul is is, is the shift to action right, for me right. you know and it is not action for everybody i was having this discussion with uh, with another friend of mine who's a who's a type eight recently and something got brought up about someone in our circles who had said something not very nice about me and she knew about it and i knew about it and i haven't done anything about it and she said you know nanette you just that is just you have put away your ego because i would confront that and i was like Yes, but you're an ego type eight. Confrontation is your wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is avoid conflict. So of course I'm not gonna say anything. It would probably be bolder of me and maybe maybe a, a, a sign of right action if I did confront the person who said something not so nice to me. And I have wondered like, if I run into them, will I will I hold them accountable for what what they said. I'm not sure. I really don't. But it's just so funny that here is one person who the the right action, the right choice for them is is to pipe it down, <laughs> you know. And for me, it might be to confront. It it is funny how the the enneagram as a whole is a source of energy, right? Uh-huh. And some of us have this aggressive energy, and some of us have this retreating energy, and so. But we're always looking for the equanimity, yeah. the balance, right? So that sometimes those of us who are retreating really need to step out. And some of us who are charging forward really need to take a step back. It's part of balance. And that's why relationships can help us because 
you know, maybe we hold each other in check. I bring a little more um, reservation to to my charging eight friend, and you know, she brings a little more, you know, empowerment to to my natural retreating stance. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So you're still discerning what you're going to do about that other person who said a negative thing? <laughs> yeah, well, I I can hardly think that I'm going to, you know, call them up. And, you know, this is not somebody to see on a daily basis. And, yeah. you know, it, it honestly, I wasn't all that offended by what they said. Maybe what they said was true, <laughs> um, you know. But it was just, it was definitely not said in a loving way. It right. was not. It was not love that that drove it but I guess and it sounds like I'm in the middle of so much conflict which <laughs> which I don't really you're one of we're, those conflicty <laughs> persons I know so. you know I think what I I think what we're trying to highlight here is that relationships any relationship I mean any marital relationship ch- child and parent relationship um, we we have struggles that conflict is a daily part of life mm-hmm. you know Sai and I have a conflict in the morning sometimes we both get up very early we both kind of want to get to work and sometimes our conflict is who's going to get in the shower first Mm -hmm. you know and there are four other showers in our house (laughs) you know but that's the one you want but we both want to use the one that's in our own bathroom so you know it's it's that that's the stuff of life if is just sometimes to just say hey you know what's what's your schedule this morning do you need to get out the door before me and that is love to yield um, and then sometimes also to say I can't yield today I, I got I gotta wash my hair aside so it's yeah. gonna take me longer yeah, I, gotta you know, I gotta get in yeah, the shower yeah, so yeah. you know it's just um I, I think this is the stuff of life and the Enneagram has helped me so much with just the stuff of life to give understanding to other people and also to understand myself because it is only me through my own spiritual practice will I choose to integrate and to really go um, tap into that soul child of mine who really does have everything I need. Um, yeah, I mean, the excerpt from the Bible, the still small voice, mm-hmm. I liken that to the soul child voice, mm-hmm. which is really not the ego's voice at all. Yeah, It's much subtler, quiet, Mm-hmm. It comes out of stillness. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the only way we can really get to that voice and make the shift into soul child is sit in stillness and ask to be talked to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it can happen, I believe. I mean, absolutely. We've, we've, we've seen it over and over again, that... that, that wisdom which is profound comes from somewhere down on the inside of us and i think i've told you this that i say all the time to myself i'm i'm still her she's still me she's still here and she that little girl nanette um she has some wise answers for me when i will listen to her Um, and she doesn't need she doesn't need the stuff of the ego she's she's not afraid of conflict she knows that there can be resolution, um, but that comes sometimes with the creativity that only comes from that still small mm-hmm. voice. So I've got another question for you. Okay. You hear the still small voice, mm-hmm. and you know your 
ego in its usual fashion probably would not want to obey the still small voice. How do you think the enlightened ego transforms to serve the soul? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we don't cut the ego off. We've right. got to have one. Right. Speak to about the ego serving the soul, if you will. I think, I think, like you said, it has you, you. You have to reveal enough of your soul child to to have enough of it unearthed through your spiritual practice. You can't just have it under layers and layers of ego and then expect somehow to yield to the soul because your ego is still just too big. Um, you know, it just is. So I do, I think it takes that, the spiritual practices, but one, once you get some of those layers of ego off of the soul and you start to, um, to be led by the soul, I think you start to, you, there's kind of, it incentivizes you because you see um, the benefits of yielding to the wisdom of the soul. I had a situation the other day where I, I, I really, I really felt my ego. Um, there was a, a service that I really felt like I, I should say something at, and um, I, but I wasn't invited to. And I felt like this, like, I don't understand why they didn't give me a part in this. And so I just yielded. I I, I could feel, I, I, and then I thought, why do I feel this way? This is ego. I, I don't need to make a space for myself. I'm at the universe, there is already a space for me. So um, I, I, I just paused, which I think sometimes if we could just practice a pause, you know, just to step back to be aware and to recognize what is this emotion coming up in me and recognizing that it's ego. And when you do that, it, it it's as if soul will then make, will then speak. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I really just felt in me like, I don't need to do anything. I just need to participate. And it was actually so freeing to me. Like I could just be a participant and honestly once I got there and in the situation I was so glad I didn't have to say anything <laughs> so, you know yeah so it is sometimes we just have to it's just in those subtle everyday situations of life where you if you feel if you feel angst if you feel impatient if you feel driven a lot of times if we'll just take a step back and say is this ego you usually find that it is because the soul when is the soul driven anxious petty um you know impatient it's just none of those things right it's it's more like the fruit of the spirit right yeah um patient loving kind you know all of those things um love joy peace patience kindness humility that's how the soul looks and that is available to us if we can just usually just take a step back and pause. Yeah. Well, bit piggybacking on that, I would like to say that in my experience, the shift to soul, like you say, the ego supports that instead mm -hmm. of the other way around. Yeah. The ego repressing the soul. Okay. And taking the lead. I have found that because the ego is such an expert on strategy, <laughs> And preemptive measures, 
and planning and mm -hmm. sometimes mm, having people do things. Uh huh. Manipulation. Yeah, manipulation. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Those yeah. things can be used by the soul. Because once the soul makes its purpose known, either meta-purpose or the purpose for the moment, uh -huh. then the ego can be engaged as the worker to help that be, be done. Yeah. And all of its developed wisdom and strategies can be transformed into helping energy to fulfill the purpose of the soul, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is far different from what the ego's purpose Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, the ego's not wasted. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of hard-won wisdom in the ego. So, yeah, well, I, it, it's nothing is wasted, right? It, it, it's, it's almost like um, maybe just repurposed, um, re-energized with a different... I, th I mean, fundamentally, the soul it, it thinks about other. It's not. It's not selfish, and whereas the ego tends to be in an unhealthy way, primarily driven by self-interest. So I think. Um, I think when we when we yield the ego to the soul, then it is in service to to the betterment of humankind. It is. Um, and, and when we see it on the collective, mm -hmm. or in the collective, I yes. should say, yeah. for a nation to find its soul again, mm -hmm. or to develop out of the soul, is a beautiful thing. And I, I believe that if nations and groups and churches and all kind of collectives could do something to find their soul, mm -hmm and to re-embrace it, mm. that the collective ego might be in service of that collective mm -hmm. soul. Mm -hmm. Well, it's why we're doing the work we're doing here today, right? Yes. Yeah, it is It is with that hope. So thanks so much for being yeah. with us today yes. to Thank all you. the listeners who listened to this conversation. It's we're hoping great. it's going to make the world a better place. We sure are, because yeah. that's our mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you today. Thank you, Nanette. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at The Real Enneagram. Or, if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.